Today on Real Ghost Stories Online, a woman makes an important plea to take care of something that may affect her in the afterlife. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You are about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. That it is. 855-853-4802 is our phone number at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost stories with us. Of course, uh, you can also write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. And if you want to keep our show on the air, become an extra podcast person, an EPP as we call them. Sign up at ghostpodcast.com or patreon.com slash realghoststories. Get access to all of our bonus material, the advanced episodes, and the archive as well. And our ebook and audiobook, $5 a month. Sign up to get all that at ghostpodcast.com or patreon.com slash realghoststories. It's Tony and Carol Hughes with you on today's episode of the program. What's going on? Well, not too much, Tony. So, you is your birthday next week? I know this doesn't air till like down the road, but the, yeah, this will be airing you after. You have vacation and birthday coming up. Yeah, it's like a first I yeah, it actually is. This is um, your first post-COVID vacation. Yeah, although I don't, I I really hesitant to say post COVID. Well, post COVID. Well, it, you're right. More like well, pause COVID vacation. Yeah, uh, this is okay. Let me rephrase all that. Yeah. This is your first vacation since COVID really broke out, like yes. in March of 2020. That would be probably more accurate. Yeah, because by the God time this airs, so- who the hell knows? <laughs> Jesus Christ! Like that's like a whole ghost horror story in itself it's like jesus christ it never goes away yeah i know it will haunt us forever it's contagion it is completely contagion and it's except people aren't like going and killing people in like 48 hours of getting it yeah so yeah so there's a there's so many things i don't get about people and how they act about it and vaccine no Mm -hmm. vaccine but this girl i know not well um she's a facebook friend when i was in radio she was a listener so I don't really know her that well. Mm-hmm. And her husband just died of COVID. Oh, my God. That's right? horrible. And he was, um, I think he had some pre-existing conditions, maybe diabetic or mm-hmm. something like that. But he was pretty young. He was in his 30s. So she got interviewed by one of the local television stations oh, shit, about I know it. Where, I know where this is going. And she said, this does not change my mind about getting vaccinated. I still oh, won't. And I'm like, what does it take? Like in all her posts were this constant pray for him, pray for him, pray for him, pray for him. How about do your part with the science that exists that God put on this world to make smart people to figure this shit out and do something that would prevent it in the first place? There's a thought. Because that's the thing. It's like, so if God didn't want us to have COVID, you know, then why would he put <sighs> someone on the planet who could figure out a vaccine? Use your brain. That's there's a reason you know, that's went, there if he too. wants everyone to have COVID, well, why would yeah. somebody have the knowledge? And that's one of those things that I get really frustrated with religion stuff. I mean, I'm not anti-religion by any means. I just I, I don't and I don't even know that was a religious yeah, decision sure. for her. Yeah. I was like, you have a kid, a young yeah. kid. Wouldn't you be like I'm going to get vaccinated so I can be healthy for my child. My child yeah. only has one parent now. 
yeah, you think you'd be doing everything to because look, people are not dying from the vaccine. It, you know, it, it actually in efficacy and in terms of side effects, this thing has some of the fewest <laughs> that have ever been seen as far as like immediate side effects from like any vaccine. So, I mean, everybody's like, well, what about really long term? Yeah, you're right. What about really long term? But, you know, if we don't get this done, there isn't going to be a really long term. Yeah, so, but these are the same people who can sit through Linzess commercial and still take it. <laughs> you know, it's like may cause like there's like explosive <laughs> diarrhea. That's OK. I'll sign up for explosive diarrhea, you know, may cause, you know, blurred vision and headaches. And <laughs> what, what, what is Linzess? What is that even? Oh, that's one for um, like if you have chronic constipation. Okay. It's like oh, it's one of those that the side effects go on forever. It just oh, is one wow. that popped in my brain. So it gives you like explosive diarrhea instead of chronic constipation. What's the what's the winner there? I don't know if you had to like play, you know, which, you know, pick a, a side. I don't know which side I'd pick. And any any drug that you see advertised on TV has that laundry list of may cause which is all every these drug horrific things yeah. and people go that's fine i'll sign up for that yeah to have relief from that i mean it's any anything you put into your body you're going to have a a, a risk of some sort uh it it's just what it is but i i don't know i don't know what it's going to take at this point to just you know let's just you know, I'm like that they, poor they woman. They didn't have this issue she, with polio vaccines. There was like that, you know, people it, it was stopped because people were smart and they said, oh, let's take this because, you know, it's going to stop fucking polio. I and, heard a guy interviewed last week about that. He was talking about that pandemic in 1919 or whenever that was. Yeah. And he said it was very different because it was not political, yeah. number one. Yeah. But it was something that people did for the greater good of the community, yes. that it was this sense of, I'm going to help my community and that's by the, I think doing that's, these things to prevent the spread. They didn't have a cure for it, but they did these things to prevent the spread. That's the biggest problem right there. It's it's the yeah, community. People do not, as much as... Somehow it's got politicized, and I don't get it. There's so much of it's just... You know, people have their communities, but they're like, they're virtual. They're there. It's a very different sense of community than what that would have been as a sense of community. Oh, we, yeah. we use the term community, but it's really not the same definition that it was back then. And, and there's the narcissism is so strong and everybody thinking that they know better than professionals and, you know, doctors and this and that. And it's just, it's, it, yeah, I mean, it, it. We're just in such a weird place in time where professionals don't matter anymore. You know, we don't trust things. It's just, yeah, I don't get it. <laughs> I, I don't get people in general at all. But uh, yeah, and so I sit here. That's a whole nother podcast. That's a whole other podcast. I just sit here on my farm with my animals <laughs> <laughs> and rock in my chair and randomly curse in the wind. Eight five five. Well, I'm having a scotch. <laughs> 855-853-4802 is our phone number at Real Ghost Stories Online. All right, let's go to our story. It says it was 2004. I was 14 and it was February. We lost my great grandmother. It was hard for us all as she was beloved by us all, but especially my dad. He always told us about playing Scrabble at the kitchen table with her and great grandpa or helping her chase cows or even sitting out on the front porch in the summer with us kids enjoying our ice cream bars that she handed out every time we came to visit this is going to be the first christmas without her 
We all sat around in the rocking chair that she had always occupied at these kinds of family events remained empty. We all kept turning to ask her what she wanted or if she needed a blanket. Even our little dog, Odie, kept looking at the chair oddly. It felt that she was still sitting in the chair, but we knew she was not. So as we all got ready to go to the candlelight Christmas Eve service at our little country Lutheran church, I put on a necklace she had given me a few years before, even picking it up from a jewelry box. Felt warm to the touch like someone else had just taken it off. I did not think anything of it at the time. I looked out the window and noticed the lights in the house across the valley that her and great-grandpa had used to live in were on, although my aunt and uncle had moved into the house and both were at our house. I again did not think anything of it, as I assumed it was just Christmas lights that they left on. All during the church service, everything went fine. It was after it was over at about 10 or 10.30 p.m. that I decided to go out to the headstone and say Merry Christmas to her. I told Dad I would be there, and he said he would be out in a few minutes to join me. I walked around to the back of the church and looked towards the cemetery. It was a clear night, so there was some moonlight. I thought I saw someone standing in the cemetery, so I had assumed that it was another of my family or another family of someone else buried there. As I walked towards the grave, I failed to see any other footprints in the snow. I thought it was rather odd, but really started to wonder as I got closer to great-grandma's grave. I got there, and there at the headstone was great-grandma. She looked so young. I felt the tears rush and a calm settle over me as she smiled at me. I felt a hand on my shoulder and knew it was Dad. I heard his voice say, Oh, Grandma, I miss you. We love you. She smiled again and was gone. Dad and I went back to everyone else in the church parking lot, and then we went home. He and I only have talked about it a few times as he does not still know what to think about the occurrence. I know that we still miss her, though, and great-grandpa a grandpa joined her in July of 2012. It's still a memory that I cherish of her. What are your th thoughts on, on that one of the graveyard encounter? Well, number one, I th <clears throat> someone who's much braver than I am, even though I would want to connect with my grandparent, I don't know that I could walk after because it, I was assuming like Christmas service made me think at nighttime. Yeah. And I don't think I could walk out into a cemetery at yeah. nighttime. Sure. But, but I also get maybe that real feeling of wanting to connect. And so it's super quiet. It's peaceful. You know, you're focused in on connecting with her. I could see how that could happen. Sure. I mean, and the fact that her dad came up and saw the same thing just confirms it. Yeah. That, and it's funny how she says, you know, he still doesn't know what he, you know, what he thinks about it. I don't know what what are the options when you have an experience like that. Maybe it's like I really don't want to think about yeah. it. Like it kind of spooked him, but at the same time, I don't. You know, it's not like and then shit really went crazy. Yeah, as long as you like turn it, you're like the library ghost in Ghostbusters. You know. Yeah, like Grandma was everywhere all the time. It's just kind of that nice visitation. Like we talk about all the time that a lot of times you get that in a dream. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they got it when they were wide awake. Yeah. And I just don't think it's that uncommon. And I, I think it would be actually a wise idea at some point just to sit down with her dad and have that conversation about it. Yeah. And just say, what did, how did you feel? What did you think? Sure. Um, because, you know, and just tell him how touched you were by the whole thing and that he was there and like, 
I, I don't know. I think it would be validating to talk about it. But if you don't talk about it, you know, you just, you never know. Tomorrow's not a given. And I think that's a conversation you shouldn't put off and you should have the conversation with your dad. And I think it could be a really eye-opening, beautiful conversation. Yeah. I really do. I agree. Eight, have five, the conversation. Do it. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those, because you may look back someday and go, I wish I would have had that conversation. Yeah. yeah. Do Just it while do you it. can. Uh, 855-853-4802, our number at Real Ghost Stories Online. Next letter says, hey, Tony, Carol, Todd and Harper, this is Lexus from Bellingham, Washington again. I've called in three separate stories so far and all of which have made it on the air with Harper. And I'm incredibly happy and grateful to be part of such a supportive paranormal family. I have another story that I wish to share with you about an old mental hospital or farm or graveyard I've investigated at twice now in the town about 30 minutes south of me called Certo Woolly. I think you'll really find this one interesting. I've attached a link above that will present the history of this location to you further if you'd like, as I do not wish to make my story too long. The Northern State Hospital was built over 100 years ago with acres of farmland and an old farm building and a cemetery nearby. While the old hospital building has sat abandoned since it was shut down in 1973, it has been closed to the public due to new renovations taking place. However, the surrounding farmland, dilapidated farm buildings, and cemetery all remain open on what is now known as a public historical park. In fact, all the buildings people are allowed to access and explore from the time of the mental asylum include the following. Quarry, lumber mill, barns for farm animals, a cannery, milking house, and silo. Cemetery sits not far from this farm, about a quarter of a half mile away from all these buildings are another couple of completely crumbling structures that I have yet to identify as they're not shown in the pictures in the link I sent you. But one is a two-story building that absolutely fascinates me. These are buried in trees and shrubs and are hard to come across unless you follow a footpath off the main recreational trail. The main reason why I attach the link to the website is because one of my experiences occurred literally at the location shown in one of the pictures. The spot and angle at which the picture was taken pretty much captures the spot where I was standing at 1 a.m. in October of 2020 with two friends staring down at the yellow building at the other end of the barn. Both times that I visited this location, my friends and I have stared through the barn at the other buildings and have all seen a figure standing near the large doorway at the other end his silhouette standing out against the opposing buildings under the moon. This was my first time ever seeing an apparition directly in front of me, clearly, and what was even more chilling was the way this figure seemed to move in and out of the entrance to the second building. One second he's outside against the wall, the next he's shrinking back into the shadows as if he's trying to hide. The major thing that stood out to me about this figure was that its body looked almost like a shaking mass when it moved. It did not walk with a visible leg like a normal person would, but more shimmied back and forth as it moved in and out of the building like it was made of smoke. Imagine a little dancing tornado body with a visible head and shoulders. Anyway, I never felt threatened by this figure. I always felt as though it was a former resident of the asylum that was continuing his work at the farm. I planned to return with a voice recorder and a true investigator friend of mine to try and contact this individual one day as I'm a little reluctant to attempt this on my own. The second night that we were there, we decided to walk through the building where the figure kept disappearing to, and it felt as if all the hair on my body was standing up on end. 
Keep in mind, I'm a 28-year-old female dragging two guys along about my age who you think would be there to protect me. Nope. Most of the two nights they were there, I was the only one always leading the pack and keeping them from running off on me when things got spooky. Another thing about that building are the lights that we would see glowing inside the windows as we walked lengthwise along, lengthwise along the outside. It was obvious that they were not flashlights as they seemed to glow and stand alone, slowly moving through the structure and changing colors from blue to green to white. While we were unable to capture these balls of light on camera, my friend was able to snap a picture of what appeared to be an arm reaching out the side of the doorway. Again, we walked through the building with flashlights to ensure nobody was there, and we were alone. After exploring all the buildings, my group of three decided to walk through the trails of the recreation area to find the old hospital, which we found out later was inaccessible. Most of the trails were surrounded by fields and bushes with masses of trees here and there as you go. As we walked along the trails and through the trees where a frisbee golf course had been set up, we all started to sense a feeling of being watched. As we traveled along on foot, it intensified to the point where we were all looking over our shoulders and trying not to fall behind each other. I gave the guys a pep talk to slow down their pace and to ignore the feeling. And as I was, we suddenly heard what sounded like a conversation going on to our right, out in the field. We stopped and listened, and I kid you not, as we all stood there staring out into the field that was lit up by the moon, trying to see anyone or anything, the two-foot grass, we heard what sounded like two or three sets of voices conversing with each other about 50 yards out. At first, we thought that maybe the voices were being carried from down the trail by another group of people, but it was hard for us to convince ourselves of that as we were alone at the park at nearly 2 a.m., and there was absolutely no wind at night. Unable to figure that one out, we decided to cut through a trail in the trees to circle back to the farm and visit the cemetery. As we were walking through the shadowy trail, we all immediately began to feel a sense of panic and noticed that we all began to almost jog at the same time. Again, I slowed us all down and told the other two to not feed into their fear and linked arms with them, with me in the middle, and told them to just keep with me. We kept walking and finally made it out of the trees and back to the main trail. We all looked at each other and asked if anybody else had heard the footsteps following us. I reluctantly said I had, as it had sounded as if there was a fourth person following us along the path not far behind us. We had all looked back once or twice and each time saw nothing. I learned later that this was a path that the patients had taken from the hospital to work out on the farm so many years ago. The final part of my story ends in the cemetery, which sadly was mostly a large fenced-in lawn with very few crumbling stone markers. It is believed that most of the cemetery consists of unmarked graves with hundreds of bodies laid underneath without markers or headstones. When we arrived in the cemetery, I had a weird desire to lay on my back in the grass and meditate. I think maybe it was my way of just quieting my thoughts and taking a moment of silence for those lying forgotten beneath me. After some time, my friends got cold and said they were ready to head back to the car and head home. One of them took my hands, an important detail, and gently pulled me up, and we walked 10 to 15 minutes back to the car. It was almost 3 a.m. at this point. We were all drained from the exciting night. The next evening, I went to my parents' house, for a Sunday family dinner. I was in the kitchen helping my parents cook when my sister suddenly stopped the conversation we were having and then pulled up my t-shirt sleeve exclaiming, exclaiming, what on earth are those? She sounded almost angry. 
So I stepped away from the stove and asked, what? She then lifted my arm above my head and pointed, showing my parents a series of finger-like bruises on the bottom of my upper arm near my armpit. My family immediately started asking me if I had been grabbed. And I know right that in a way that they were worried I had been mistreated. I could not really see the bruises, so I went over to the mirror in the dining room and lifted my arm to look, and sure enough, there were random bruises that did indeed look like fingerprints all over my upper arm. I was unable to explain where they had come from. Keep in mind, I've been through physical abuse before and will never, ever let anyone touch or grab me ever now. So the bruising absolutely made no sense to me either. My sister even tried to match her hands and fingers up with the bruises and we were unable to make the pattern match any sort of hold she put on me. Sorry that things got so long. I just didn't want to leave out any details. Thank you guys for the podcast. I hope you enjoyed the story. I plan on sharing a spirit board story next, so look forward to that one. Much love. Stay spooky. Lexus. Thoughts? That's one of those people who I'm like, girl, you are out there with these guys and you're, it's two in the morning. Like, how do people do that stuff? Like, I just don't get it. I'm like, I guess... I guess there's an attraction and maybe an adrenaline thing. Mm-hmm. I would be so afraid. Yeah. All the time. Now, I do think like they got to that Frisbee golf course. And if it's a really still night, you might not be the only one out there. There could be other people as crazy as you guys out there. Yeah. So I think when it's a really still night, you might have heard actual voices. Because mm-hmm. sometimes when it's really still, people can be quite a ways away. Sure. And you can hear him. So, I mean, maybe that's what happened there. I don't know. And I think bruising, um, I'm one of those people who I can look down and go, how the hell did I get that bruise? I don't know. But then I could run into something really hard and go, that's going to leave a mark. And it doesn't. <laughs> so I don't. The, the only thing I can think of that maybe could answer the bruise question is, okay, they were locking arms and going through the forest. Could it have been one of the guy's arms that was just kind of holding her tight as they were, well, and if there's adrenaline going, yeah, like you know, I wonder. I mean, that's the only thing I can think. It's, you just have to consider, like, where were the arms and where were the the fingers and the hands? I mean, because that from something that recent, that could certainly be that if everybody was kind of freaked out and holding onto each other tight, you know? Yeah, and if the friend reached down and grabbed her arm to help her up, yeah. I don't, you know. Yeah. There's a lot of ways that that could be what the what it is without being paranormal. And, and obviously it wasn't abuse because she said there was nothing abusive that got, was going on. So I don't know. That would be the good. Only thing. And I'm glad she's not in abusive relationships. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah. that whole thing, like seeing the thing and like, I, that's when I would just go, I'm getting the fuck out of here. Yeah. And I'm like, somebody's coming with me because I'm not walking back to the car by myself. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, that's how, but then when people continue on, like that night continued on, what, a couple more hours after that? Yeah. I'm just like blown away by people who are, like I've said before, brave enough or crazy enough. I don't know. There's a fine line. I have a lot of respect for that though. Mm-hmm. But I just can't. I would be so scared, especially after seeing something. I just couldn't. Especially if everybody saw it. And if it's kind of a weird wonky walk thing, it would kind of make sense if they're, you know, considering where they were. Yeah. It could have been somebody who was kind of not quite right, you know. There's a lot of possibilities. 
I mean, there really yeah. is with that one. Yeah. It's uh, it's a good story. Ooh, thank ooh, you. Ooh. Uh, thank you for sharing that. Uh, 855-853-4802. Our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Let's uh, look at time. I'll grab this call. We'll go with this one. Hi, let's hear your uh, story. Hey there, Tony. It's Laura calling from Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada. And I've been listening to the podcast for a few weeks now. Um, it's nice to listen to as I am working from home. After the first story, I knew exactly what story I was going to share. And actually, just speaking now, I've got one other little one to share. Um, but I've been putting it off and and spooking myself out, so I didn't want to do it <laughs> um, when I was home alone and freaked out. However, um... So the first little one was I had, I think, a great uncle in the family, and um, he was a big Montreal Canadiens fan, NHL, Um, and my extended family were kind of, a number of them were watching um, a Montreal Canadiens game in the Montreal Forum, and um, we're watching it at home on TV. and they were playing at home in the Montreal Forum. And my great-uncle was a the biggest Montreal fan, I guess. And anyway, they got a call that I think he had had a heart attack or something. And just around the time they got the call, they were watching the game on TV, and the power went out unexpectedly at the Montreal Forum. Nobody really knew what happened. It was out for a few minutes, I guess. And then my family got a call that he had actually passed away. And the time they get the second call, the lights came back on in the forum. Nobody really knows what happened. Anyway, that's just a little one I've heard um, growing up. But the story I'm mainly calling in to share today is when I was getting my teaching degree, there was a day camp in the area that wanted teachers to run the day camp. Believe it or not, there weren't as many teachers as they would have hoped uh, looking to pick up summer work at a day camp. So they then reached out to the university for people who are training to be teachers. I was doing something else earlier in the summer. It worked out with my schedule. I accepted the job. I was a day camp leader for that summer. Anyway, Sometimes I'd end up in the room with the younger kids. They were four years old. And, you know, they couldn't do a whole lot for themselves. They're four. We had to, um, you know, help them with their snack. We had to, whenever we went outside, make sure everybody had their hat. We had to make sure everybody had their sunscreen on. And and so there was this one kid... um, he was kind of, you know, a little extra pale. He didn't, he was a little bit more of a loner than everybody else, but, you know, nobody had a problem with him. He didn't have a problem with anybody else. It was just sometimes he would have an empty chair near him, and, and you know, actually, I would hear him talk to himself sometimes, but that's not odd. Therefore, people have imaginary friends. Um, but anyway... 
one day we were getting ready to go outside and we've got kind of the assembly line of um, of kids coming through um, for each of the counselors to get rubbed up with their sunscreen before we go out. Anyway, this day this kid was in my line and as I'm lathering him up, I ask him, you know, who are you talking to kind of thing? Um, because earlier that day again, he was talking to the empty chair beside him and just making conversation, you know, who are you talking to? And he said something like, oh, two boys or something. And I was like, oh, what are their names? And I can't remember if he told me their names or, or he didn't know. He shrugged it off and I said, oh just you know making conversation how old are they and he shrugged and he said i don't know and then it was the weirdest thing his body went rigid his eyes started looking right through me before they were you know warm and and he was like he was there it was a person there whatever but when i asked him how old these kids were he initially said he didn't know. Then his body went completely rigid. He stared right through me and he whispered almost inaudibly, 18. Snapped out of it, came to again. It felt like there was personality back in his eyes. His body, you know, relaxed. And then he looked at me and said, 18. He snapped back into the rigid state again, eyes looking right through me, almost inaudibly again, whispered, 19. Snapped out of it, looked back at me, personality back in his eyes, and he said, and 19. I was so creeped out. I had goosebumps, like they say. I actually got goosebumps and, you know, my heart was racing and I was freaked out, but I'd pretty much finished putting the sunscreen on him at that point. And I finished up, made sure he had his hat and shoes and everything and was like, right, next. But, oh man, it was really weird because when I asked him originally, he said he didn't know and his whole demeanor changed he whispered something to me almost as if you know somebody something was speaking through him it was the craziest thing and it stands out in my mind as um as bizarre and so i kind of i tr tried to look up a little bit if um is it common for kids to have multiple um imaginary friends and i guess it is but is it common that their ages are, you know, 18 and 19? I would think maybe it would be common that they're about the same age as the kid or maybe, you know, an older adult or something. But it was the weirdest thing and I figured I'd share. And that's my ghost story. Thanks a lot. Keep up the good work with the show. Bye. Thank you for sharing that experience with us. What are your thoughts?
As she was telling that story, like I am totally visualizing that. Mm -hmm. And it just went a place, the story went a place I wasn't expecting. Mm -hmm. And it totally creeped me out. <laughs> like I could just see the kid like doing that. Yeah. And when she whispered it, I was like, oh my God, that's creepy. Because I was like, what is she going to say? And the fact that it was in the age, mm -hmm. that just creeped me out. I bet she never makes small talk with kids again. <laughs> <laughs> Who wants to make small talk with again. kids anyway? I mean, who does that? <laughs> I mean, that's just weird. It's just weird. Like, I love making small talk with children. Yeah, it's fun. It's so random. Yeah. Um, but like that was one of the creepier stories I've ever heard on here. I don't know what it was about that that just creeped me out so bad. It was good. It was good. Speaking of small talk with children, I was just thinking that today I was getting some glasses and um, we were, you know, sitting there at the counter and they were, you know, doing their thing. And, this, and Harper's right next to me. She's like, are you excited to go back to school? I am excited to go back to school. But what I'm even more excited for right now is we're going to Disney World at the end of the week. <laughs> because you literally are and i'm like yeah we are aren't we honey have you ever it's been to disney so funny, world like she like, sells it you're going to disney world next week but you're asking her about are you excited for school yeah she finds no, a way yeah, kind of moves it around and this is what she's so your kid i know she, this is what she says to the lady at the glass store like, <laughs> and, then she's like, so and then she's like i like to study about the history of disney and learn the stories behind the rides and some of the strange things that go on there she says <laughs> <laughs> i need to teach her how to do these things in a keith morrison voice and then it gets really weird you know but it gets really good. I like the Keith Morrison voice. I could just picture Harper like tries to do it, you know, as best a little girl could do a Keith Morrison impression. <laughs> but uh, I, when I, I've always uh, had her uh, trained to say strange things, um, but now she just does it on her own. Um, <laughs> but but uh, when she was in a her literally when she was still being taken on in her carrier, when she could, she was starting to talk a little bit, and she started talking pretty early. I taught her to say from Ghostbusters, you know, the, the no Dana only Zool thing. Um, Harper was on this little kick when she was little and she she was like talking like uh, and doing the crackle at the end of your voice or the in your throat. And I said, say this one. No, Harper, only Zool. So like <laughs> so Harper would like do this to people. She'd like like no Harper, only Zool. <laughs> And I, this happened at a restaurant there once, and uh, and they're like, "Your baby is interesting." I said, "Yeah, she's a communist," and <laughs> and then we just walked away, and 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 the girl who was working at the restaurant, who was probably all of like sixteen or seventeen, had no idea what a communist was, and she says to all of the girls up at the hostess stand, she's like, "That baby over there is a communist." <laughs> <laughs> because a communist yes. really explains that behavior. It just explains nothing. <laughs> nothing at all. I just I just had to say something strange. Oh my so, god, that's funny. So me and Harper have been fucking with people as a team since she was like two. <laughs> oh god, that's funny. <laughs> it's one of her favorite pastimes. 
But uh, oh, my goodness, that's going to wrap up today's episode uh, of the program. Thank you guys for listening and keeping us on the air. If you'd like access to all of our bonus material, become an extra podcast person in the EPP, sign up at ghostpodcast.com or patreon.com slash real ghost stories. Until next time for Carol, I'm Tony. Thanks for listening to Real Ghost Stories Online. <laughs>